0: Hi, this is Zach Phillips. At the end of the previous episode, Ricky Reyes was out of the hospital after getting shot, and he was back out on the streets looking for the guy who shot him.
1: That whole week, I was looking for him. I was out there with my crutches, and I had a gun on my back, and I was looking for him.
0: Luckily, Ricky never ran into the guy.
1: Like I said, God works in mysterious ways. He got arrested a week later. I mean, if I would have seen him, then we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So how can we avoid that?
0: How can we avoid guys out looking for people? From Short Order Production House at Wilmington Station, this is Remaking Murder Town, Episode 4, Swimming Upstream. This show is brought to you with support from the Delaware Center for Justice. I spoke with Ryan Tack Hooper from the ACLU about the current state of rehabilitation in the criminal justice system.
2: So, I mean, it used to be that if you were convicted of a crime, you received a sentence from a judge. You completed that sentence, and we said, you've served your time. You've done what you're supposed to do, and you're back in the community now. But there are now this whole web of consequences, ranging from the housing you can get, the schools you can get into, the benefits you're eligible for, the employment you can get, the sort of professions you can be licensed in, and this whole this whole range of things that make it so that your life is forever altered.
0: What type of jobs are in the licensed area that you can't get?
2: In Delaware, there are 55 licensed professions, and it's it's uh, you know, landscape architects, nutritionists, barber, you know, home health care aide, uh, plumber, HVAC repairman. Those two, by the way, plumber, HVAC repair, th- those are the jobs they train people for in prison. And then when they get out, they find out that they can't be licensed for them.
0: A perfect example of this type of barrier is, is how difficult it is to get a juvenile expungement. This is where, if you committed a crime or even just got arrested, never convicted, where you can get that removed from your record so it doesn't come back to bite you.
2: I posted to my Twitter account today a flowchart of whether you're entitled to an expungement as a juvenile in Delaware. It's got 70 boxes or something on it. It's like, you know, you follow the arrows around. And I'm a lawyer, and I look at it, and I'm like... Uh, I sort of get this. It's got like Latin yeah. that you have to know. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. And, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, your kid is like, okay, I've, I've got, I got in a fight at school. That's my crime. And it's like, was you, are you a Title Eleven like D sixteen offender? And you're like, eh, maybe.
0: <laughs> Here's Corey Wright again from the Delaware Center for Justice.
3: So you're already crippling him at 17, but you say you want them to reintegrate into society, but you want to chop off two legs and an arm, what do you want them to do? They're just young people trying to find their way through the mess that we created. At the end of the day, these kids are made by us.
2: They hear rhetoric about rehabilitation, and they hear rhetoric about reintegration, and all they, all they want is that for them, this sort of opportunity to show that they have become a different person and to put their lives back together. They regret this thing they did 15 years ago or 20 years ago. They just think that their sentence maybe shouldn't be 20 years of never being able to get a job.
0: Another job that's exceedingly difficult to get, if you have any kind of record,
1: is working in the criminal justice system itself. I p- apply for fairs. I applied for that. And, and they, they told me I couldn't do it because my juvenile record. So you telling me I haven't been in trouble, adult record, no tickets, anything since the age of 16 years old. I'm 22 years old and I can't work with these 16 years old. Who's going to show them better than I would? I've been in there. I've been in, I, I can take them to the same exact cell that I did my time in. Like, yo, this is where I did my, my time in. Now look at me.
0: Almost all the kids that we lock up are eventually going to be released. And when they're released, they're going to come back into our neighborhoods. No matter what your politics are, the ideal scenario is one in which they somehow turn things around, stop committing crimes, and become productive members of society. I asked Ricky about how he was able to turn things around in his life. Ricky talked about how his mindset
1: started to change in his late teens. If I take your wallet today, do you know how much mental stress that's going to put on you? If you have an ID in there, credit cards, debit cards, social security card?
0: You know, you know it's funny you mentioned that because I got robbed once. And as the two guys were going away, um, this was in Syracuse, New York, I begged them just for my IDs and mm-hmm. stuff back. And, and you know what's and, crazy? And gave it back.
1: And you know what's crazy? I was taking wallets at the YMCA, and I took the guy's phone, and he called. He was like, listen, I don't care about the money or anything, man. Just can I get my IDs? I didn't get it at that time. I didn't get it at that time. But once I you, got you older. You didn't
0: get how much you were hurting people. Exactly. I didn't. You thought you were just taking some money, and they'll, they'll figure it, it out.
1: Exactly, because they got everything figured out. They got all the money. They're they, they not worried about that. That's nothing. I'm hungry. And the more I started to look into it, the more I started to learn, the more I started to go out there and network and speak to certain people, um, change the way that I think, change the way that I look, change the way that I dress, change the way that I eat, you know, things just start to change. I just wanted to change. I was tired of being tired, you know, I was tired of myself, you know, and I was like, you got to get over yourself. Okay, basketball ain't happening. It ain't happen. So what you going to do? I'm not going left because I'm not sitting in that cell again. I got nephews. I plan on having kids. I plan on having a family. And I felt like it was the coward way out. I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not going down that road because I know I'm better than it. I, I got to start to get away from the things and, you know, diminish the things and objects and people and certain situations that can bring that side out of me. If I do that, then I can suppress it, you know, As far as it ever being diminished and gone, that'll take years, you know? But it's practice, because we're not talking about, we're not talking about a jump shot, you know? We're talking about, you were bred. You were from birth. This is what you knew. After I graduated in 2012, that's when I had more so of the most rigid times in my life, like where it was low self-esteem, embarrassment, you know, um, since the d- depression, things of that nature. And it was either go left and just fall into another, be another number eventually, or, you know what, I'm gonna go right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig, dig for the information. Let's see, let's see, let's really see what else is out there. Reading books, you know. I started doing research, you know, every day. We I mean, I have no cable. I'm using a neighbor's Wi Fi on my phone. I always tell people it was a four-year process before I, when I graduated that I was going through all that. So it took me four years, you know what I mean, to get a car. It took me four years to actually land a decent job. It took me four years, you know. So in between that four years, it, it was like it got worse before it got better. It's really hard to change.
0: I think most of us have experienced some form of this. Hard times, challenges, emotional wounds that go back a long way. In my case, it was losing my mother at age 5. I never really started dealing with that until I was in my 20s. In my teens, I suffered from drug addiction, almost died of an opiate overdose, and wound up in rehab. Most people have had challenges in varying degrees, and there's no question that change is possible. I haven't had a drink or drug in 14 years, and my life's going pretty well. But in addition to all the family support and great role models I've had, I've also had money. My 28-day rehab at 19 was in the neighborhood of $25,000. My therapist is fantastic. She's been a lifesaver. Her fee is $175 for 50 minutes. This is something I often bring up when talking to friends and family who may not understand some of these issues. Take a moment to look at your life and everything you've gone through. No doubt it's been hard at times. Now imagine having to go through all of it without any of the privileges you've had. And then think of men like Ricky, written off by most of society, hands tied behind his back. Giving people in the system a chance to change is one of the primary objectives of the Delaware Center for Justice. I spoke with DCJ's director, Ashley Biden.
4: These kids, uh, Zach, when when I say this, I mean this with all of me. They want to change. They so badly want a way out. They so badly want to do the right thing. They just need the tools. They need the support. It is tough to make it out there. It is super, super tough.
0: DCJ runs the Violence Intervention and Prevention Program that Corey Wright and Isaac Dunn are a part of. They teach kids strategies for coping with chaotic environments and reducing violent behavior.
4: Changing behaviors takes a significant amount of time, but we're not often given the time that's actually needed, and it ends up hurting us. We put all this time and energy and effort only for them to fall back into the same patterns of thinking and the same behaviors because there hasn't been enough time.
0: It's funny because, you know, you're talking from the perspective of the nonprofit space, but I think it's a problem that a lot of businesses have is describing... <laughs> what they do and how much work it is because people look at things and they're just like, that shouldn't cost much, right? We want to take kids who have, have have experienced significant trauma and poverty through their lives and we want to turn them around. How much work does that take?
4: So it's having high expectations. It's about truly believing in them. It's about showing up really and just actually being present. It's about providing them with opportunities that they may never have had.
3: My work is always about showing them different, showing them, have you ever been in the woods? A lot of them live right here in Wilmington, but they have never been to Brandywine Park. Some of them may have not even been down to the riverfront.
0: I mentioned in the last episode that working with the kids is basically an around-the-clock job for Corey and Isaac.
3: I think the success stories that we have, I think that they've been successful because of the amount of time that we invested into these young men, checking on them in school almost every day or three times a week. You have to. And once they start seeing kind of this, uh, this role become a part of their life, they do get in shape. It's like a greenhouse, you know, certain plants that got to have constant light. If you give them constant light, they thrive. So when we was doing the case management and you spent a whole, I mean, a whole lot of time with them, I mean, call them seven o'clock in the morning. All right, you're going to, come on, you going to school? Yeah, I'm getting up right now, da, 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 da. See them when they get out of school, come on, what are we going to do? We're going to fill out some applications. They look forward to that, oh, somebody's coming. They shine a light on me.
0: So why do you do this? Why do you work in street outreach? Because I used to be in the streets and someone
3: reached out to me and got me out. And I still believe that it is my duty to bring out as many as I can. I think this is a part of what I need to do right now until you know, God puts me on another path, you because know, um, we're the only encouragement that some of these young men may ever come into encountering.
4: I was in a, in a class a few months ago with Isaac, and I asked the young men who their mentor was. And they all went around the room, and it was mostly brothers, an uncle, or father. And then I asked them, how many of your mentors have been incarcerated for a long period of time or are currently incarcerated? Every single man in that room raised his hand.
0: A lot of people would say, okay, like mentorship, all right. Like, that's something that should happen. But I'm not well positioned to be to be a mentor to some kid, or... What does
3: that mean, well-positioned?
0: Well, this kid won't listen to me, because he'll... He may
3: not for the first week or two, because you're new, and you might be a different ethnicity or whatever, but if you're genuine and you keep coming, and I challenge this to anybody listening, go out to a family night at Ferris, or The Pow, or Neighborhood House, any of these places. Pick a kid, and you find one that y'all have any type of connection with Just the fact that if the youth speak to you, that's a connection. Because a lot of them are very standoffish or whatever. And you come to see that person once a week, when you say that you're coming, after a while you'll build it. Because they're used to, I'm coming, and the person never comes. They get a case manager, and the case manager's on their case for 60 days, they're gone. They're going through multiple people It's so transient, so they don't attach very well. So be consistent and just listen. And just introduce stuff to them.
0: That's it. And you're saying that would have a huge effect?
3: Huge. Huge. Just spend time with them. That's all it's about. We have the cure. We're just not using it.
0: So why do you think you've been able to turn it around? Like, why do so many guys go down the wrong road?
1: So many guys go down that road because they don't have a Eugene Young or Marla Blunt Carter or Desmond Overton. They don't have people in their corner that they recognize your potential, but they also hold you accountable. I kind of lucked up. You know, I had people that, you know, seen me doing bad, bad, bad over and over and over again, but they knew that I had something greater in me, and they continued, even after they had so many countless amount of times to turn their back on me, they stuck with me. I mean, that's why I say it really starts with the people and the people that these youngsters are influenced by, because those are the individuals that can can change people's lives. And I'm noticing that I'm one of those individuals, and that's what made me you know, ultimately changed my life Because it's like, listen, I, I'm, I can I notice my influence Before I got shot and things of that nature I was very good at basketball You know, I'm walking past a park one day So we am walking past and a young child's like Yeah, I'm doing a Ricky You know, like, you know, I'd be like, oh, Randy, I just mossed him uh, Kobe with his shot Boy, hit, shoot the shot, say Ricky You know, and I'm starting to really Peep my influence, like, wow Everybody in this world influences somebody
0: We're almost done here, but I want to take a quick moment to thank the Delaware Center for Justice for going out on a limb and trying something different with this show. Even while being yelled at, accused of not caring about Wilmington, told that what we're doing is offensive and bad for the city, I really feel like we've done something interesting and useful. Telling stories is important, but it's really just a tiny, minuscule part of what it takes to create real change. Now that this show is over. I'm off to work on something else. But there are those who are on the front lines of this fight every single day. It's by supporting and adding to their efforts that we can actually make change happen. Here's Ashley Biden again.
4: We had a lot of people coming to us about the Murder Town title, and I stand by it. The reason I stand by it is because we currently have an issue, especially among youth and young adults with gun violence, And unless we look at the root causes, we're not going to get anywhere. If businesses really want to get rid of the murder town kind of perception, I'm asking all of those businesses to invest money into violence prevention, violence intervention, and economic development, and community revitalization within the communities. My dad has an expression. He has an expression that says... If you want to know what someone values, look at their budget. Where is the money going into violence intervention and prevention? We are running the only gun violence intervention program in the state of Delaware. Where do we get our money from in our funding? From New York, a foundation in New York City. So it's one thing and it's a great thing that we're doing things on the riverfront and on Market Street. But you can't then have two blocks away communities with abject poverty. And so my hope through this podcast is that we have now addressed the elephant in the room. Now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. As frustrated as I am and as saddened as I am at times, I'm also extremely hopeful Because I think we are at a moment where we can take this Newsweek title of Murder Town and do something really positive with it. To be able to say, look what we did. We implemented evidence-based programming to address this issue. We are putting our money into economic development and to education. I refuse to maintain the status quo. I won't do it. I will address the elephants in the room because we're talking about people's lives. We're talking about human beings.
0: Please consider making a donation or volunteering with the Delaware Center for Justice. So what's Ricky up to now? Well, he's had some ups and downs, but in recent years he's gotten a few good jobs and some of them have paid more than others.
1: You know, got a job with the city. $90 $90 checks every week or something like that. I get a $90 check that day. I got to go work that day as well. So I got $90 in my pockets. Now I'm around a bunch of kids who don't have no money, who don't have nothing to eat. So now when they see me working. The first thing they do is, yeah, it's my birthday. That's the new thing around here. It's my birthday. <laughs> and, and some of them you cool with. Some of them you, you look at them and you see that they in the same position that you was in. So now my $90 just quickly went down to 50
0: He's mentoring kids himself. Um, He's very involved in his church. And even though he doesn't have much, he's trying to find ways to give back.
1: Like right now, I'm working on trying to start feeding the homeless with my own organization. I'm working on trying to get all that conducted and start feeding the homeless at least twice a month. People who've been out here sleeping in zero-degree weather. People out there dying. Went to the 7-Eleven over there on 4th Street, and the individual, this lady, she was such in pain. She's like, can you just call the ambulance? Can you just call the cops? Can you just call the ambulance? It was freezing. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe she just, you know, she just wants some money or something like that. So I tried to give her a couple of dollars. She said no. She said no to money. we talking about a homeless individual who doesn't look like she showered in over a month. She said no to money. She just wanted some help. <laughs>
0: This is Ricky Reyes, Ricky the burglar, Ricky with the guns, Ricky who's been shot, the bad kid from the bad neighborhood.
1: You can't teach somebody who doesn't want to learn. You can't feed somebody who doesn't want to eat. I understand that. But you have individuals who want to learn. You have individuals who want to eat. But you're not teaching them neither. You're not giving them a chance neither. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to become an asset. I'm trying to become a positive advocate in the community. If you want to go off my track record, I was in trouble from 8 to 16. That's eight years. Listen, if you want to sit here and play me close, I would love that because then you're really going to see the truth. But to completely shut me out, that's not doing anything but saying, listen, you ain't good enough. Go back over there. Luckily, the type of individual I am and the individuals that's in my corners, I refuse to just go to let society go ahead and push me away. It's cool.
0: I wanna thank everyone who helped make the show a reality. Kirsten Cornell, Eugene Young, Ashley Biden, Corey Wright, Isaac Dunn, Lisa Miniatola, Charlie Copeland, Ryan Tack Hooper, all of my co-workers
1: at Short Order Production House, and most of all, Ricky Reyes. This is probably the most talking I've ever done in my life, okay. to be honest with you. Okay. You know, because I'm more the person who's taking it in, analyzing it, and that, that that's that.
0: The show was created and edited by me, Zach Phillips, at Short Order Production House at Wilmington Station, with music by the incomparable Jim Guthrie. The show is mixed by Peter Hoops. I don't know what the future holds for remaking Murder Town, but I do hope that we meet again. Until next time, thanks for listening.